so many times. And I know that we say that a lot. Like we say this episode is so highly requested, but we really do try to listen to like what is requested and take action to yeah. speak on those topics. And really this topic has been so highly requested. Yeah. Well, I feel like diet culture is just everywhere. And it's, you know, there's so much being said on Instagram and TikTok about intuitive eating and diet culture. And I think this conversation really helps us just like break it down and figure out, you know, what's going on, how to really love your body, how to celebrate it, how to give it what it needs. And I'm so glad that Dylan was able to come on and talk to us about that. Definitely. And I honestly feel like I didn't know a lot about mm-hmm. diet culture. I thought intuitive eating literally meant when your body wants Chick-fil-A, <laughs> you give it Chick-fil-A. Like, And you see it everywhere. And I've always been really curious about it. But I mean, I know that I've definitely struggled with relationships with food uh, throughout my life. I think it's very common in a lot of yeah. people's lives. And so I think that a lot of people will be able to resonate with Dylan in this episode today. You know, I think that there's a lot of disordered ways of eating and people don't really realize it. Like maybe it's the anxiety like we talked about or the exercise addiction. There's so many, you know, it's not just anorexia and bulimia like you grew up hearing about. There's so Mm -hmm. many other ways of disordered eating that you might not even realize that maybe you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, And just to go back on this a little bit, Dylan Murphy is a food freedom and body image dietitian. She coaches people to ditch diets and gain freedom and is the founder of Free Method Nutrition. She works with clients all over the world, but is based in Nashville. So it's always really special to us to talk to people who are in Alley City. And she's overall just such a cool person and has such a good story. And she's a new mom and she's just like yeah, with it. And she was such a great person to talk to. It's so cool. I had no idea that she was based in Nashville until we started talking. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think this is such a timely interview for me too, because I've been going through my own little health journey, working with a nutritionist. And, you know, there really is something to be said about working with someone who, you know, there's a difference between, you know, you go to the doctor for your an- or for your annual or your um, physical But then working with a nutritionist and really finding the right person to take a deep dive into what's actually going on in your body, because I've been able to learn so much about what's going on inside of me that I had no idea about, and then figuring out ways to get ahead of it before it becomes something bigger. Definitely. Overall, I think it's just a great episode. I learned a lot from Dylan. She's very inspirational, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys today. But I guess before we dive into the episode with Dylan, do you want to go over our weeks really quick? go for it. Um, you can start. Okay. I think my high of the week would be – I was in Michigan um, for a couple of days. I had never been to Michigan before. Shout out, Michigan. So that was cool. Um, it was a beautiful part of the country. We were right on Lake Michigan. I was with Herbie and his family. It was really fun. It was kind of like dirty dancing. I've always said that. Like when he tells me about going to Michigan for the summer, like I just in my mind think about dirty dancing and it really is. Like they have dances and magic shows and (laughs) activities and it's really funny, but we had a good time and it was nice to get out of town, um, especially after that like weird week I had before. And so I think it's important to kind of shake things up and, you know, maybe that's your surroundings when you're going through a funk. And so that was nice to be able to do that. Um, So yeah, that was a high. Definitely. That sounded really fun. And then also another high, I've actually been spending a lot of time outside and it's been really good for me. I've been on a hike the past two days. I ended up meeting my friend Stephanie who lives in Chattanooga halfway yesterday and we went to Cummins Falls. It's a beautiful waterfall, like an hour and a half outside of Nashville. It's stunning. And it was just a really fun afternoon. 
and good to get outside and just be in nature. That is really fun. I agree. I always feel like I'm better when I'm outside and in nature. And Totally. So love your highs. Did you have a low this week? What is my low? You know, nothing in particular is jumping out for a low. I think just um, – you know, I was traveling – I traveled back to Nashville on Wednesday or Tuesday night and just like traveling halfway through the week is always, yeah. you know, not fun because it just kind of throws your week off. I'm glad I got the extra time there. Um, I was able to work remote, which was nice. But um, yeah, like the week just felt kind of thrown off because of that. Yeah. I've had no concept of weeks since I graduated college, honestly. Like living in Hawaii, no concept. Because every day was like Friday and then living in Europe, especially, it's like we travel midweek all the time and it really is, it throws you off so much. But I'm really excited because I am back, I guess I'll go into my highs, but I'm back in Florence. I would say my high of the week though, I was in Budapest this past week, which was like a midweek trip. We went Wednesday to Friday. We went for a music festival called Saget and I had never heard of this obviously in my life. But our friends Riley and Caitlin and Florence told us about it, and Rufus Dussault was playing. And I, I, I'm obsessed with Rufus. You guys know if you've listened for a while. I went to see him in LA in November. So me and like 13 of my friends, like the Hawaii gang that was still here, our Italy friends, we like full sent this music festival, and it was such a good time. I didn't even know what I expected Budapest to be like, but it was super Americanized, like. It was kind of nice because there was like Starbucks and like things that I hadn't seen in a while. And everyone there was just like so sweet. And the exchange rate was crazy. Like everything was so cheap because I think one US dollar equated like 360 of their oh wow Hungarian dollars. Yeah. Um, so I'd say my high of the week was definitely the festival and just having like a really good experience there. And then my low was a low that actually turned into a high. But after Rufus Du Soul played, Dua Lipa performed, and she's incredible. Like, I don't know. I feel like I was kind of sleeping on her a little bit just because I was so excited to see Rufus that I was like, oh, yeah, Dua Lipa will be fun. Like, I like the song Levitating. But she was like a full-on, like, performer. Like, she was like Beyonce yeah. when we saw Beyonce. Like, she just danced. She was in Nashville recently, and everyone was freaking out. Like, she did. She was incredible. Yeah. And like, I was like, oh, like, cool, Dua Lipa. But then everyone was like, no, she was insane. No, she was insane. Like, she danced her booty off and just, like, it was just so high energy. However, halfway through her set, Perry started to feel kind of claustrophobic, and we had been standing in the crowd for, like, four hours at this point, and we were kept being, like, moved closer and closer to the front, and we had great spots. But we were all kind of just, like, tired, and she said that she wanted to leave, and I was like, oh, I'll go with you. So we're heading out of the crowd, weaving in between, like, hundreds of people. There's, like, thousands of people watching Dua Lipa, and some point between leaving our spots and emerging out of the crowd, my phone fell out of my hand. And I realized when I got out of the crowd that I had no no longer had my phone, which is a seemingly large issue because I work on my phone and it was going to be impossible to get an American SIM card. It was going to be a whole ordeal. But long story short, my friend Jordy, after the show, found my phone in the dirt, unharmed, it was a festival miracle, and so that was my low that turned into a high, and I was honestly like just so happy. I've never been full of that much happiness in my life. I was so happy to see Yeah. That. I feel like that is just something that would only happen to you. Well, 
it was a blessing. I'll say that. <laughs> Lose it, find it. Yeah. Um, okay. Now that I'm looking down at my leg, I I remembered my low. I had a bike wreck in Michigan. What? <laughs> yeah. I um. It was like 2 a.m. We were biking home from the dance, and um, I fell off the path. That's so embarrassing. And- I know, but no one saw and it was really dark. But yeah, I definitely have a bruise that goes across my entire thigh. It's entering like the green yellow phase. So it's it's pretty rough. Um, but yeah, that was my life. I don't know why, but like bike wrecks are so embarrassing. I never had a like, bike wreck. I think that was my first one. But you know, it was dark. Thankfully, only Herbie saw it, which doesn't matter. Picture picture like your crush <laughs> falling off of a bike. That's like such an ick. Like yeah, and I had a dress on, so that was fun. Um, but anyway, transitioning to what we're excited about, I know we both have a lot of fun things coming up. I'm really excited. I'm going to Palm Beach this weekend. I'm going to get to be reunited with my friend Anna Grace, who we've had on the show before. Wow. She and her boyfriend Austin wow. are going to come hang out with Herbie and I for two days. So really, really pumped about that. Couples trip. Couples trip, That'll yes. And then another trip, I Bird and I have officially started planning our Italy trip. I'm yeah. going on September 3rd. Cannot wait. September so 3rd. So excited. Yeah, I'm so like, excited. I feel like we're last minute planning because there were some like hiccups in the planning process and, you know, we're two and a half weeks out, like just locking things in, but you know, yeah. everything's going to fall into place and we're going to end up being where we need to be. Yeah. But honestly, like here, like we're planning our trip for this weekend tonight. Like we planned so last minute. So it's not that different, but I am really excited and I'm really pumped to have a family member come see me because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to see you guys for a while. So it helps to see somebody and I'm so excited to have you here. So I would say, honestly, that's, where are you going this they're literally in the kitchen right now planning it. And I'm like, no, where are you going? We don't know. We're plugging in flights to Google flights and seeing what the cheapest is and we're going there. Have you thought about like staying in Florence for a weekend? Does that cross your mind? It has crossed our mind, but I think you should go to Paris. Yeah, so that's what we're trying to do is get to Paris, and we're just trying to figure out if it's not this weekend, we're gonna do the next weekend. But we're just trying to figure out, and we want to go to Croatia, so we're trying to figure out when we can go, and it's the cheapest. But like, it's insane how cheap flights are within Europe. Like, we flew yeah. home from Budapest for eighteen dollars. Like, that is a Chick-fil-A meal. You can just get to Europe and go. Like, there's so many places you can just go travel to, and it's insane. And that's why I think that we're having such a hard time figuring out what we want to do because there's so many options. It's like, do we go to coast? Do we go to, you know, Sardinia? Do we – we're trying to figure it out. So any and all suggestions, send them our way. Yeah, send us your suggestions. And it's hard because I feel like I I know I'm not going to be in Europe for – ever and it's like I already feel like I don't even have enough time to like see everywhere I want to see because like every day I go to Instagram I find a new place and I'm like wow I would love to go there yeah and I mean you know this too it's like I'm glad that you're there because I don't want to go somewhere that's like overhyped and then be disappointed yeah I agree and I don't know that is kind of the crazy thing about traveling that I've realized is like how much is glamorized on social media you just see like everyone's like the best parts and honestly you can make anywhere look pretty you know? Yeah. You can make it. anywhere look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You honestly just never know the filters. So just a reminder to never trust social media fully. I think that translates very well into what we're talking about today. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I feel like we covered that with Dylan and social media is the reason that so many people do have body image issues and negative relationships with food because we are being fed filtered images and videos all day long, you mm-hmm. know? 
Yeah, totally. And the I feel like the effect of that, like it's going to be crazy to see years from now, just like the effect of social media on like every aspect of our life. There are definitely good things like you know that firsthand, but also like, yeah. you know, seeing photoshopped images and just, you know, seeing things that aren't real really does affect you. And so I think that's why it's important to really check in and take inventory of your emotions towards your body, you know, what's real, what's Mm -hmm. not. And I think that Dylan does an excellent job diving into that. Yeah, for sure. So without further ado, we are so excited to welcome Dylan Murphy to Go Call Your Sister. Dylan, we are so excited to have you here with us today. Ever since I came across your Instagram, it was Probably over a month ago, I was just so excited for this episode. We have so many people ask for a, you know, um, body image, food relationship episode. So we're just really honored to have you here with us today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I guess just to dive right in, can you tell us a little bit about your journey into what you do today? Absolutely. Um, So really since like high school, I would say I've always had an interest in nutrition and health. I played a lot of sports growing up. And so was pretty interested in just like the connection between like how we nourish our bodies and how we perform. But I think like a lot of people that became like more of an obsession than actually like a a healthy view of food. Um, and then that kind of led into me deciding like, oh, I want to be a dietitian. I can like help people like be healthy and lose weight and kind of all these things that now I'm like, I kind of do the opposite. Like I, I help people, you know, get to like a healthier place with food, but yeah, started my journey to be a dietitian. And a lot of what we learn in school as like training to be dietitians is really saturated in like diet culture. So it's like a lot about like calories and what to eat and what not to eat. And um, so I think that even like further like dove me into like an unhealthy relationship with food and an unhealthy view of my body. And so really it wasn't until like after um, my like post-grad program to become a dietitian um, that I really discovered like intuitive eating and like really working to like improve body image while also still like wanting to make healthier choices and have a healthy relationship with food and all of that. And I feel like my own personal journey also kind of like morphed alongside like my desire to help other women like reach this place of feeling confident in their body and and having healthy relationships with food. And so from there, like my own personal experience kind of led me into starting my own practice, um, which I've been in now for like five years. Um, and that's something like I'd always had in like the back of my mind of like, Ooh, I want to start my own business one day. That'd be fun. Um, and then I think from my own personal experience that helped me kind of see like what I actually wanted to like focus my practice in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so now I work as a dietitian. I have a um, group pr- group nutrition practice that's based out of Nashville, but we serve people all over the U S and really help people get to a place of just feeling more like control in their relationship with food and not feeling controlled by food. Um, And then also just feeling more at home in their bodies. Can you talk a little bit about intuitive eating? I feel like we Mm -hmm. hear that a lot, but I would love to get your perspective on that. Yeah. I love that you asked that too, because I think especially recently, I think intuitive eating is one of those things that um, like when I say it, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what that means. But I think to just like the average person, it's 
think diet culture has also made it this confusing concept of like, wait, so does that just mean like, I just eat ice cream all the time. And like, that's intuitive eating, but really it's like so far from that. Um, intuitive eating in and of itself is based on 10 principles. Wait, I'm like 10, nine, nine or 10 principles. <laughs> I should know that, but, um, that, that really dig into getting back in touch with your body. So if you think about like, a two-year-old, they have a very intuitive relationship with food. When they're hungry, they'll eat. When they're full, they'll stop. Sometimes they probably eat past fullness because it's really good. Um, And they feel pretty comfortable in their body. And then obviously, as we get older, there's a lot of things that impact how we view food, what foods we view as like good and bad, how we view our own body, the story we tell ourselves about our own body. So that takes us away from this like intuitive relationship with food and our body. And so really intuitive eating is trying to bring us back to kind of that like childlike relationship with food and our body where we can just see food as food and we're able to really be more present in our body and, you know, say yes to foods that sound good. And if something doesn't sound good, feeling confident saying no to it. And, and it also taps into like movement as well of like choosing to move our body in ways that feel good and not rooted out of punishment. And, um, that's a lot of the work that we do with our clients because it's not, you know, saying something like eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full can sound like very like elementary and basic. But at the same time, when we have been in this like environment of like eating only a certain amount of calories or macros or your plate has to look like this, like that can really take away from like listening to just your hunger and fullness. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's really interesting. I was wondering that as well, because mm-hmm. you see on TikTok, especially a lot now about, you know, intuitive mm-hmm. eating. And I'm a for sure. eating coach. And I was I told my friends the other day, like if, if I intuitively, I would just eat Chick-fil-A yeah. all day. <laughs> like that's yes. always what I want. But it really does go so much deeper than that. So thank you for mm-hmm. the explanation. Um for and sure. because like I obviously had the misconception about intuitive eating, what are some mm-hmm. of the biggest food misconceptions that mm-hmm. you see with people these days? Yeah. I mean, I think a big one, kind of how you just described it with just intuitive eating in general, I think there's the misconception that it is like, yeah, just eating ice cream all the time, eating Chick-fil-A all the time. But even kind of touching on that a little bit more, it's like, if you think about intuitive eating and the goal is like being more in tune with your body, if you were to eat, let's say Chick-fil-A for every meal, every single day, you're probably not going to feel great. You're probably going to feel sluggish tired, all that sort of stuff. And so really being like in tune with your body would be able to see like, okay, do I really want Chick-fil-A right now? Or like, I have a big meeting at work this afternoon. Maybe I need something that's like a little bit more energizing and not something that's going to make me sluggish. Um, So that's even like a deeper note on that. I think another, I mean, gosh, there's like so many food misconceptions nowadays, but I think a lot of them go alongside just like popular diets too. And so Right now, I think there's still a lot of misconception that like carbs are bad and that we shouldn't be eating carbs and that we need to have all these like low carb or keto alternatives like cauliflower rice. And, um, you know, I mean, I feel like there's a million <laughs> low carb things out there nowadays, but in reality, like carbs are our body's main energy source. They're like gas to a car, like our body needs carbs to function. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's a big misconception. I think there's also a misconception around this whole like calories in calories out of like, okay, if I want to like, feel healthy, I need to like eat less calories, then I'm like burning every day. But really, that is like, so far from the truth. And 
in reality, like slows down our metabolism a lot as well. Um, you mentioned TikTok, like I think TikTok, social media in general, there's so many like things that people say. And a lot of times it's like influencers who have like a lot of followers. And so you think like, oh, okay, she's saying this, it must be true. So I think a lot of the misconceptions even like come from that or like mm-hmm. believing, like seeing someone say like, oh, well, this worked well for them. So this must work for me too. And kind of taking things that we see as like absolute truth. Definitely. That has to be such an issue today. Social media, Mm -hmm. it's like one video just goes super viral and you just assume Mm -hmm. that it's correct. And really, it's just as easy to spread false information as it is to spread correct information. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some signs that might be indicators of you having a negative relationship with food and eating? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So I think a big thing would be even just kind of seeing throughout the day, like how often you think about food, you think about your body, because really like the average person who has, let's say like a healthy relationship with food should be thinking about food, maybe like 20% of the day, maybe a little bit more where you're like, okay, what's for dinner? Or like, I know, I think right before we hit record, we were talking about Sarah Caroline had like pasta that was so good, like where you're talking about like a meal you had that was so good, or like you're planning your like food for the week. Like those are very like normal food thoughts to have. And then what we see in people who are like chronic dieting or even who have like diagnosed eating disorders, think about food anywhere from like 70% like up to like a hundred percent. And so with that, it would be like, if you're thinking about food, like all throughout the day, or if you're, you know, going to happy hour with your girlfriends and you're like, Oh my gosh, well, I need to like skip lunch. If I'm going to go to happy hour to like save up my calories. And you're kind of doing all these like internal, like calculations and dialogue throughout the day that would show that your relationship with food's probably not in a great place. And then I think also if there's certain foods that you're like, oh, I can't eat that. That's bad. Um, Or if you eat a food that maybe you deem bad, then there has to be something you do to like earn it or make up for it. So it's like, okay, well, I can only eat that if I like work out today or I'll, if I have that, then I need to make sure I have a salad at dinner or like some sort of give and take, which shows, yeah, your relationship with food is not in a great place. And a lot of what that can lead to too, is what we see a lot with just like this restrict and binge cycle where like you maybe like restrict a certain food, but then eventually you end up binging on it or overeating and feeling out of control and kind of leads to this like constant spiral. So also if that's something that feels present in your life of like, gosh, I can't control myself around ice cream. I just like eat the whole pint in one sitting. And then I like restrict something the rest of the week. And then it happens again. Um, That would be another kind of big sign of that as well. Yeah. I feel like I do think about food a lot. Like even when I was younger, I would always Mm want to know like from the morning what we were having for dinner. Yes. Which that's, I feel like normal. Like I think it's, and it it probably differs for different people. Cause also, I mean, I feel like I'm like a major foodie. So yeah, I'm like, okay, when I wake up in the morning, like what's for dinner tonight? Like I'm so excited for it. Um, so I think it's also like assessing for yourself. Cause I, I also have some friends who they're like, just not huge, like foodie people. So for them, like they may just be like, okay, I'll think about dinner when it's like five o'clock and I'll figure something out. But I know for me, it's like, yeah, I do think about food like a lot throughout the day, but not in like an obsessive way. It's more of like, oh, I'm excited to like go to this place. So yeah, that's a great point. I think it's like gauging for yourself what feels 
like a normal amount versus kind of like a an obsessive amount. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me too, it boils down to being a planner. I like to plan mm-hmm. things. So like yeah. if I need to go to the grocery store, I like to know mm-hmm. ahead of time. So I think that that's why. For sure. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think that there's probably a thin but clear line mm-hmm. of what is unhealthy. And I think yeah, you sure. would be maybe like the first to know that in your own body because, mm-hmm. you know, you could sit here and say, oh, well, I like to talk about my lunch. And then mm-hmm. if you have that thought of, well, do I do this? And then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that could be more of an indicator of an unhealthy relationship. Um, yes. And it might absolutely. take a while to figure that out because you might just think that you are a foodie and then you look at it and you're like, yeah. hey, um, actually, it's kind of a lot. Yes. Um, and I guess just kind of going off of the unhealthy relationship patterns with Mm -hmm. food, what are some of the most common eating disorders that you see in our society today and, you know, working with people who are struggling? Yeah. Yeah. I think a common one we see, um, that still right now isn't technically like, like, I don't think as of this recording, it's like diagnosed as an eating disorder, but soon I'm sure it will be is called orthorexia, which is like obsession with healthy eating, which is like very common in our society now where it's this just like very intense obsession with like, okay, I need to like, you know, not put any butter on any of my food, not use salt. I need to like make sure I'm choosing like the healthiest option possible. Um, Sometimes it also may kind of lean into like, exercise as well of like, okay, I need to make sure I'm exercising enough if I'm going to be, you know, eating this type of food and, um, you know, I'm going to have salads, but no salad dressing on it. So just things where it's like, you're kind of taking certain things that maybe aren't inherently bad, like wanting to have more veggies and wanting to, you know, make sure you're getting like whole grains or different things like that. But it's like, you're taking it to the extreme. And again, going back to social media, it's like, those are a lot of things that are like normalized in our culture now too. Of like, how can I be as healthy as possible? But then it starts to really step into impacting your relationship with food in a negative way or increasing how much you're thinking about food in a negative way. Um, so that's a very common one I see. And I think one also that a lot of people may not realize like, oh, this isn't normal or like this isn't mm-hmm. necessarily healthy. Like I'm taking health yeah. to an extreme. Um, and then kind of like I mentioned earlier, just seeing a lot of um, like restricting to kind of like make up for food choices or to earn certain foods. Um, and then that easily leads to like binging as well. A lot of times or kind of overeating out of, and I don't even know if it's necessarily overeating. It's more so like you're hungry because you've been restricting. Um, and I think something as well, just on the topic of eating disorders and those I mentioned and just other eating disorders as well. I think it's like a common assumption that like it all roots back to like, okay, I just need to be like skinnier. I need to lose weight. So I'm going to engage in whatever eating disorder pattern, but also it, it oftentimes goes so much deeper than that, where a lot of the people we're working with have like history of like trauma or abuse or um, so many other things in their history that food becomes like the one thing they can control or like the size yeah. of their body. And so yeah. they kind of gravitate onto that. And then it oftentimes also steep like continues to kind of almost like snowball into like, okay, and now people are like complimenting how I look or saying I'm like so healthy. So like, maybe I need to keep up these patterns. But a lot of times it starts from almost the sense of like survival in a sense of like, I went through this like trauma or I had this experience in my life. And this like, 
controlling food is kind of helping me stay afloat amidst like all this chaos I've experienced. That's why I think it's just insensitive to say to someone who is struggling with an eating disorder, like go eat a cheeseburger or something because like, you know, you don't know what actually is at the root of, yes. of that. And another one that I think I see a lot is um, obsession with mm-hmm. exercise. Like people are obsessed with working out yes. and it's like you can't even move on with your day unless you have worked out. And, you know, I kind of went mm-hmm. through this a little bit, you know, in college and right after, but, you know, not even being mm-hmm. able to focus on what you have to do that day except working out. It's like, okay, well, I have to plan my whole day around my workout. Yes. And I think that I would say is a big sign too. Like if you're finding like, okay, I'm saying no to like hanging out with friends because I need to like fit in this exercise or my whole day is planned around like going to the gym. That would be a huge sign. And even seeing like how much you're exercising. Cause obviously there's nothing wrong with working out, but it just like anything, it can be taken to an extreme. So like if you're spending hours in the gym or if you can't remember the last time you took a rest day um, or if you're, you know, risking like injury because you're pushing yourself too hard. Mm-hmm. And even with that on the topic of exercise, like paying attention to like, am I doing exercises that I actually enjoy? Because I see a lot of times people who are like, yeah, I run, but I hate running, but I feel like it's like the healthy thing to do. So that's what I do. But exercise, if we're really reaping like all the benefits, like it should Mm -hmm. also be like a stress relief and something that brings us joy. So making sure the movements that you're doing are things that you actually enjoy doing. Because I know, I mean, for myself, I feel like for so long, I would like run because I felt like that was like, the healthy thing to do. And then finally, I was like, I like don't like running. So I'm going to do something I actually enjoy. So that it makes working out more fun. And I'm not like forcing myself to do something just because. Definitely. And just kind of going back on the different types of eating disorders, you mentioned that a lot of them aren't specifically like classified right now as Mm -hmm. a, you know, this is this, this is that. And from like my own personal experience when I was a sophomore in college is when I started getting really bad anxiety because Mm -hmm. I was in a terrible relationship. So Mm -hmm. it caused me to never be hungry because I was just so distressed all the time. And then that resulted in like losing a lot of weight, becoming Mm -hmm. a lot skinnier than I should have been. And it's so crazy because at the time, like I did not see it at all. Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. even I couldn't even realize what was going on. My friends were seeing it and they were noticing these unhealthy patterns. But are you seeing the, you know, anxiety and depression that people are going through in society today attributing mm-hmm. to eating disorders? Because that's yeah, kind of yeah. what I feel like I fell into a little bit. Yeah, that is, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a huge thing of you know, anxiety, depression, it really impacting because I mean, even just on like a hormonal level, anxiety, for sure, like you described can impact our ability to even like feel hunger. And so sometimes things like that, it's not like you're intentionally saying like, okay, I'm going to eat less, I'm going to skip meals, I'm going to, you know, I'm trying to like, lose weight, it's it more so roots out of the like anxiety or the depression. And then, you know, what's I mean, it sounds like you had great friends who were like, hey, we're noticing this, like, let's talk about this. I feel like there's a lot of situations where people maybe get like complimented of like, Oh, you look so good. Like, what have you been doing? Like, so then that I think the person who's struggling makes them feel so like, alone, because inside, you're like, well, I'm struggling with crippling anxiety. Like, I'm not trying to lose weight. I just like, definitely am in this horrible relationship. And I'm not 
doing well. But um, so I think even like for people listening who may have a friend, it's like not no matter what their body size looks like, like never complimenting someone based on their appearance because you never know what you're complimenting. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, that that's a big thing of like anxiety, depression, and and kind of finding something that like you can control, and also mm-hmm. just the way like hormonally it can impact like our hunger and our fullness. Yeah, I remember I was getting like so many messages that year specifically of people being like, "You look so amazing!" Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I was like, "What I'm doing is losing my mind on a daily basis." Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't even, I didn't even like appreciate in a way that I mm. had like even lost weight because I couldn't even mm-hmm. see that at the time. So I guess yes. that does kind of lead into the next question that we have is how can you support a friend who you think might have an mm. eating disorder and what's the best way to help them? Because it's such a touchy subject. I've gone through mm-hmm. this obviously with myself, with mm-hmm. numerous friends, and it's just really hard to approach that situation. Yeah, gosh, that's a good question. And I think most of us, I mean, eating disorders whether they're actually like a diagnosable eating disorder or just like a messy relationship with food, body, exercise, like so many people struggle with them. So it's very likely that, you know, anyone listening, whether it's you struggling or a friend or a family member, like you probably know someone. I think what's hard, and I see this with a lot of my clients too, is like you can't want help more for your friend than they want it for themselves. And so I think kind of remembering that at like the baseline of like, okay, I could do all the like, quote unquote, right things, and maybe still they're not going to like, hear me or make changes or reach out to a dietitian or a therapist. So kind of like knowing that at the baseline, I think also, like I said, a minute ago, like never commenting on someone's weight, um, unless mm-hmm. it's more from like a concern place of like, Hey, like you look like maybe you've lost a little weight over the past few months. Like I'm kind of concerned. Is everything okay? Like if it's from that standpoint, because that's not necessarily like a a compliment, it's more so like, I'm worried about you. Like, let's talk about this. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think kind of finding almost like subtle ways or like, even we were talking about exercise earlier. Like if you notice you have a friend who like always says no to things because they have to go work out or they're just, it seems like their world is revolving around exercise or, you know, food or whatever, like calling that out in like a a kind and loving way. Like, Hey, it seems like you're kind of working out a a little too much. Like, do you want to talk about that? Like just kind of bringing it up in like a non-judgmental way and seeing like what that friend may say. Um, I think other ways too is like, even if, you know, there's like a TikTok account or a a podcast that you hear that you're like, oh, wow, that's like really insightful. I learned a lot. Like maybe sending that to that friend and not in a way that it's like kind of calling them out, but maybe even more so like, Mm -hmm. hey, I learned a lot from this podcast episode, thought I would share it with you. So like kind of trying to like plant little seeds along the way in hopes that it may lead to like a fruitful conversation. Maybe your friend ends up getting help reaching out to someone. Um, But yeah, knowing like if it's a close friend, a family member, someone you care about, like reaching out, saying something to them is definitely the right thing to do. It probably will feel hard, but you definitely won't regret doing it. Yeah, definitely. I think just the biggest thing is like, I've had so many friends who I knew were struggling so badly Mm -hmm. and 
you know, people sending like in group chats, like, oh, blah, blah, you look so skinny. Like you look amazing. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't open up the conversation for them to seek help. That just kind of buries them Mm -hmm. deeper in that struggle. Yes. Yes. So just making sure your comments are like intentional and, Mm -hmm. you know, conversation opening, not just superficial. I feel like it's important. Absolutely. Going off of that a little bit. So what are some ways that we can stop criticizing our bodies and start celebrating them instead? Mm, yeah, that's great. A great question. Um, I think a big thing would just being like, be mindful of how you're speaking to your body. I think it's so easy, especially as women, but just people in general to immediately like look in the mirror, look at a picture, look at an Instagram, someone like posted of us and immediately like look for our flaws, look for like, oh, I don't like the way I look in that. I don't like the way this looks. Like we immediately look for the negative. And so mm-hmm. trying to challenge yourself to like not do that. And it doesn't mean, you know, it can feel hard to immediately go from like, gosh, I hate the way my arms look in that picture to then like reframing it of like, oh, I love how my arms look. Like that can feel like a big kind of jump. And so maybe it's trying to find some like middle ground of let's say you're looking at a picture maybe instead of like jumping to something like I love how my arms look, maybe try to think of something positive, like about that picture itself of like, Oh, that was a really fun day with my friends. Or I loved that trip that we went on, like trying to reframe it, even just to like, not making it about your body. Mm-hmm. And then maybe as you feel continue to feel more confident in your body, maybe then it can move towards like, I love this certain aspect. Or maybe yeah. it just kind of stays in this like neutral place of being able to like, see your body just for what it does like a lot of what I may even do with clients is like if you're looking in the mirror and you find yourself like looking at like your stomach for example and you're like I hate how my stomach looks trying to find this neutral ground of like okay my stomach digests food or like for me I had a a baby 10 months ago like my stomach carried this human that I brought into the world like being able to like kind of see the middle ground where it's not again Mm -hmm. necessarily like you're having to jump to like oh I love the way my stomach looks but you're Mm -hmm. you're not staying stuck in these negatives so trying to find more ways to bring in like neutrality which then in a sense allows you also to celebrate your body for what it does yeah. Someone gave me that advice. Um, I think mm-hmm. when I was in like late high school about, mm-hmm. you know, I've always had like a really muscular body. So I always thought, mm-hmm. oh, I wish, you know, this was smaller. And then I mm-hmm. think it was a coach or, of mine told me, well, just like, look at your, you know, look at your legs. What do they do for you? They help you mm-hmm. run and, yeah. you know, your arms, you can like hug people with them and just finding something that isn't just based on how it looks. And also Mm -hmm. just with like, you know, self-talk, the first step is recognizing it, recognizing when you're having those like negative thoughts and then trying to not correct it immediately, but just Mm -hmm. change it a little bit. And that's Mm -hmm. already taking a step in the right direction. So like you said, it doesn't have to be an overnight change, but just like when you start having those negative thoughts, I feel like what helps me is just pointing them out and then trying Mm -hmm. to like redirect the best way that I can. Definitely. Yeah. For me, it's, I've had the same thought, Bert. It's like my arms, I've always felt like they were just like big and muscular and just mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like you look at pictures of celebrities and you're like, oh, I wish I had these dainty, like Hailey Bieber mm-hmm. arms. But then it's yeah. like reminding yourself, like, you know what? You can do hard things. You're strong. You've mm-hmm. got this. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a really yeah. important reframe. And it's for such sure. an issue these days is like social media, I feel like is kind of mm-hmm. the cause to so many, there's so yeah. much good in it and there's so much bad in it because also like 
you know, I could post a photo and it's that one little pose that looks Mm -hmm. so different than from a different, Mm -hmm. slightly different angle. It looks completely different. So it's like Mm -hmm. just recognizing also that like what you're seeing constantly on feeds and, you know, apps is just everyone's best, you know, no one's posting their worst photos. Yes, absolutely. And you never know like the editing and the filters and that sort of thing that went into it too, Definitely, where you could easily be comparing yourself to like a version of that person that's not even like it doesn't even exist because they did something to like make their arms look smaller or have a thigh gap or whatever it may be. Um, So I think, yeah, being like mindful with just your social media consumption in general. Yeah, definitely. So something that we like to end, we like to end the episode with two things. Mm -hmm. The first one is, is there a mantra or an affirmation that you are currently living by right now? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, I feel like so many, I think, um, I mean, this sounds like so simple, but like what immediately came to mind for me. So I mentioned I, um, had a baby 10 months ago. And so just being in this new season of like motherhood while also running a business and just kind of figuring out like lots of news. And then also like kind of morphing in like things that had been normal and figuring out this like new normal in a sense, because now I have to balance like having a kid into everything. Um, Just the simple statement of like, I'm doing a great job because I think it can be really easy to kind of feel like I'm dropping the ball in different places. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I'm not showing up as well in this area or in this area, but just kind of starting with that mindset of like, I'm doing a great job doing the best that I can. Um, which is funny because it's something like I tell my clients a lot and talk with them a lot. But I think also in the nature of the work I do, it's really easy to like say things to like other people yeah. and then like not necessarily say it to myself as well. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's one that like really stands out for me. I love that. I was just having a conversation with someone the other day and um, they were saying like, you know, I just feel like I wasn't my like 100% best like I was mm-hmm. last year at this like thing we were talking about. And then they brought the point, but also, you know, your hundred percent best isn't always going to be consistent. You know, there's so many factors. So you can do your hundred percent best at this given time, but -hmm. it might not even look remotely like it did, you know, last year when you didn't have a baby. So that's Mm -hmm. such a good point. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. that everyone needs to hear. Mm -hmm. And I feel like goes along really well with this conversation. You know, we're all just doing our best. Just speaking to yourself as you would your friend. You know, like kind of that relationship with that inner voice, um, Mm. I think is really important. It's so easy to throw out advice. It's so easy to tell people like what you wish you could listen to. And then when it comes to yourself, we're just, (laughs) we're such like more tough critics on ourselves than Mm -hmm. we are our friends. You know, it's like something that I was talking about the other day with my friends, like, you never look at someone and say like, wow, like, you know, in that picture, their arms look really big. Like, yeah. you just think like, that's such a cute picture. And like, her dress yes. is so cute. So it's like, why are we doing that to ourselves? You know, why are mm. we picking our bodies apart when we don't, and you're like, I would hope we aren't doing that to other people. And <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not. So yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's a good point. Well, the last thing we like to end with is just a fun, would you rather question? Um, yes. So you, if you, um, your practice is completely remote, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't yeah. go to an office. So, would you rather work from the beach or the mountains? Beach. I grew up at the beach, so I love same. the beach. Yeah, same. I would always. I'm always team beach. Yeah, I would have to go with beach too. I don't know. It depends <laughs> on the time of year. 
Maybe in the fall I could go yeah. for the mountains. Yeah. I do love the mountains. Yeah. It's a good place to reset for sure. Definitely. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like we yeah. covered so many insightful topics. And if our listeners wanted to find you or um, utilize your services, what is the best way they can go about doing so? Yeah. Thank you all so much again for having me. So if they want to find me on Instagram, I'm at dylanmurphy.rd. Um, and from there, there's a link in my bio that'll kind of direct them to different places. My practice is called Free Method Nutrition, um, and it's Free Method Nutrition on Instagram. Website is Free Method Nutrition. Um, and then I also have a podcast that's called Free Method Podcast. And then as far as like ways to work with me, we work with clients in both one-on-one and group settings. Um, and so you mm-hmm. can find more about that on our website, on Instagram. And then we also have some different like courses and free resources as well. Um, and like I mentioned, all that can be found in the link in our bio. Amazing. Oh, I love this conversation so much. And, you know, I feel like no matter where people are with their, you know, food relationships and journeys, I hope that everyone can take something from this because Mm. I already feel like I learned a lot from you. So just thank you again. Yeah. Thank y'all for having me.